With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bakamadaf Peites, page 89. We begin on the bottom of Peches and Bez, page 88b, two lines from the bottom towards the end of the line. Amar of Yidi Bar Avin, Rav Yidi Bar Avin says as follows. Afan we actually have a Mishnah that seems to imply, like we just said, which was the Takanas Usha, the concept that there was a decree that they made an Usha, the rabbis, the sages, and they said as follows, that normally, before they made the decree, so a woman, let's say she came into a marriage, and she had a piece of property, so the husband has the rights to benefit from the fruits, the whatever the product of that property is, but the property itself belongs to the woman, and if she sells it, so theoretically it can be sold, and it will belong to whoever she sold it to, after either after she dies or after the husband dies, but in any event, so what, they, what the sages said is that no, that if she tries to sell it, it doesn't work, the sale is invalid, the husband can take it away from those who try to buy it. And the reason that they did this, we said, was because of a concept of Eva. We don't want there to be marital discord because of this sale that the woman does. So we have a Mishnah that seems to imply this way. If let's say there are two witnesses who speak about a certain person, and they say that he divorced his wife, and he gave her the money already that he had promised when they originally get married, so when a couple gets married, so there's a ksuva, it's a document that they read underneath the chuppah, and that ksuva says that if I divorce you, the man says to his wife, I'm going to give you a certain amount of money, or if I die, you're going to get a certain amount of money. So now, so they say that he already paid that money. He divorced and he already paid that money. But what do we see? We see that she's still in the house, and she's still, you know, cleaning the house and doing a regular thing. doesn't seem that they're divorced. And now, witnesses come along and say that this original group that says she's divorced and she already got her money, they were with us, they couldn't have been there, they couldn't have seen that, so their person is contradicted, they have to now pay her what they tried to make her lose. So in this case, we don't say that they have to pay her the full ksuva, the full value of the money that they say that she had already gotten. We don't say that because since she's around there, since she's still in the house, so really she's not divorced as far as we're concerned, and she's still married to this guy, and we don't even know if this guy's going to ever divorce her. So for all we know, she may never even get this money. So what do we what do we say that they have to pay her? Rather, it's a smaller amount of money. Taivas Rashi says means a small amount. So there's a small amount of the money. So what is this small amount that we're talking about? So we evaluate as follows. How much would a person be willing to pay to buy the ksuva, to take the risk? Because if she'll someday get divorced or the husband dies, then he'll get the money. But there's another option. Because if she dies first, then the husband doesn't have to pay out the money. So how much would a person be willing to pay to take this risk to buy this document that he might end up getting money in the end? And that's how much they tried to get her to lose. So therefore, that's how much these Adam Zoom and these witnesses who got contradicted to their person, that's how much they're going to have to pay her. Now the Gemara says, And if it would be true that the Takana, the decree that they made in Usha, saying that the woman can't sell it, if that would be true that that didn't exist, and the woman can sell it, So just like in that case, in regards to a piece of land, where the woman theoretically should be able to sell it, and the husband won't be able to take it away from the lakuchos from those who bought it. So here too, we should say tizvin ksuva legami that she should be able to completely sell the ksuva. And the the witnesses now who are zomimim who have found to be contradicted to their person, they should have to pay her the full value of the ksuva. Why is there an option even for the husband to get the money? So from the fact that we see that there is such an option, so that, so that shows, like the Takanas Usha, that she doesn't have the right, she doesn't have the ability to completely sell it. And if she dies, in fact, first, so then the husband will end up getting the money, in the case of the Ksuva, and also in the case of the property. So he'll also be able to take it away from those who try to buy it if she dies first. So that shows, like this Takanas Usha, this decree that they made in Usha.
Amr Rabbi, so Rabbi says, hold on a second. They're not at all comparable. Im Amru Elug. Just because we had this concept in regards to the property that she brings in and the husband has a right to, So there's another type of property that she brings in. Rashi explains that she comes in with something called an adunya, which is a certain amount of value, a certain amount of, let's say, clothing and different things that he accepts upon himself, achrais, he accepts upon himself responsibility, that if it goes up or down in value, that he's going to return to her the original money that she came in with if he divorces her. Where when it comes to this property, so if the, the property goes up or down in value, so it's too bad on her. But this nedunya, the, the money that came in when they got married, so that money he has to replace no matter what at the end. So there's an achrat, so there's a responsibility on him. So such a type of property, she would for certain not have the ability to sell. So the money from the ksuva, that's something that he has responsibility for to give that amount of money, similar to the responsibility that he accepted upon himself when she came into the marriage with money. And therefore, we can't talk about the fact that she could sell it. There's no hava, I mean, there's no first thought. We can't even entertain the possibility that she could sell that money, that value. So if she dies first, of course, the husband's going to get that money because he accepted upon himself responsibility. So we can't prove anything to the case of the decree of Usha because that decree was talking about a case where there's a piece of land that if it goes up and down in value, so that's not the responsibility of the husband. It's something that's more connected to her. So she may have the ability to sell it in such a case when we're talking about property. So now the Gemara is going to intentionally go off on a tangent. Omar Bayabai says, Taivas Hana, now that we're talking about the value of the ksuva, someone wants to buy this ksuva to take the risk that she might get divorced or the husband might die, and in such a case he'll get the money. And there's also a risk that he might not get the money because she might die first. So, So once we started talking about this, let's talk about it a little bit more. So this money, this value, she sells the ksufa, and someone's willing to take the risk on the ksufa and give a certain amount of money, so that money goes to the woman herself. Even though ordinarily, if a woman makes money, so it goes to her husband. So here the money goes to her. Because if you would think that actually goes to the husband... So I'm going to prove to you that it can't be. Why? So then the witnesses who tried to get her to lose this money, so let them say to her, why do we have to pay you anything? We didn't make you lose anything. If you would have sold it for this value, your husband would have taken the money. So we didn't make you lose anything. So from the fact that we see that the Edom Zomim have to pay this value, so clearly, if she would have sold it, the money would have gone to her. And that's why the Edom Zomim are paying it to her. Um, Rav Shaman, so Rav Shaman says, it's not a good proof. It could be that the money doesn't go to the husband, but nevertheless, the Eidim Zomamim have to pay her. What's her advantage of getting the money and then giving it over to her husband? Because this way, she doesn't feel so strapped for cash. Usually, there's not so much money in the house, unless she's bringing in a little bit extra money, and now she feels like she can go out and spend. So she's happy to have the money, even though she's not actually personally getting it, but now there's money around. So it's not per se a direct proof from the fact that the Eidim Zomamim have to pay. Amarava, so Rava says, Hilchasa, the halacha is Tevesan al-Isha, that actually the woman does need to get this money. Ve'ein ha'bal oichel peris. And not only that, but the husband, even though ordinarily we say that uh, the, whatever money, let's say, a woman has, or whatever pieces of land that a woman has, so the husband gets the product of that thing, so we don't say over here that she has to go take the money, buy a piece of land, and then the husband will get the fruits or whatever product is a result of that piece of land. My time, huh? What's the reason why we don't say that? The sages say that in regards to the piece of land that she already has, so he'll get the fruits, he'll get the products of that piece of land. But the fruits of the fruits, to make her go to an extra stage, take the money, buy something with the money, and then he gets the product of that piece of land, they didn't say that that's necessary to do. The sages didn't go that far.
When Rav Papa and Rav Huna Rav Yeshua came, he made Rav from the Yeshiva. Amri, they said as follows, We have a Mishnah, which is our Mishnah, back on page Zainam and Aleph, and it proves that this concept of the Takanas Usha, this decree that they made in Usha, saying that if a woman tries to sell something and she dies before the husband, that the husband ends up getting it, and the people who bought it, they lose out. So this concept is actually the Mishnah. It says there, And one has an altercation, an interaction. So kind of damages were caused involving a slave or a woman. So it's not going to be good for the person who is involved in this interaction. A person who causes them damage, so they have to pay. But if a woman or a slave causes damage, they don't have to pay. And Rashi explains on the Mishnah, because they don't have any money to pay with. Now, And if the decree of Usha would not be true, so then the woman theoretically should be able to sell the property that she has, get some money for it, and then give that money to the person who she caused damage to. So how, how would we say, or why would we say that she has no money to pay with and she wouldn't have to pay? So Gemara says, hold on a second. Even according to your very reasoning, let's assume that there is this decree of Usha and and she can't completely sell it because there's a chance that uh, she's going to die first and, and therefore the person Person who's buying it is not going to get it, and the husband's going to get it. She still should be able to sell it and get some money, because why? Because there's a possibility that the husband will die first, so the husband will divorce her, and she will indeed get it back completely, that piece of land that belongs to her. So she should be able to sell the possibility of her getting that piece of land back, and then give it to the person who she owes money to, who she caused damage to. Ella, so why don't we say that? So we consider that she doesn't have so to over here in regards to the fact that if she sells it will it go to the person who bought it if she dies first it could be that maybe it does and she could sell it and she doesn't have to give it because we don't consider that she has the money so says, hold on a second why do we indeed say that she doesn't have to sell her ksuva and then take the money and give it to the person that she caused damage to no let her have to sell it and give him the money so who is it like? Ha huh, money, who is it like? Rebbe Meir, he, it's Rebbe Meir. The Amr, who says, The Gemara tries to say that Rebbe Meir who holds that a man can't leave his wife without a ksuva for even one moment. So by her selling the ksuva, selling the rights to collect the money, so in, in theory, so it's like she's being left without a ksuva, she's not going to get any money if they get divorced, and therefore that's why she, we don't make her sell it, and it's not considered that she has any money. The Gemara says, hold on, the time am I, what's the reason why Rebbe Meir says it? The whole reason that we say that she can't be without a ksuva is because we don't want him, the husband, to think, oh, I'll just divorce my wife because I don't have any obligations to pay her. No, as long as there's a ksuva, so then he has an obligation. If he divorces her, he's got to pay. So that's the whole reason. So in this case, even if she sells the rights to collect, so that's going to prevent him from divorcing her, because if he does divorce her, so these that bought the rights to the ksuva, they're going to come along, so they're going to collect that money from him. So therefore, there is still prevention. So even according to Rebbe Mayer, she should be able to sell it. So why don't we make her sell it and pay the person who has been damaged? Sigmar tries to say a different answer. That the reason why we don't do that is because the Tov is value. It's just words. It's just something intangible. You can't put your finger on this thing that's being sold. And when you have something which is intangible, that's not something that can be encumbered to a person who got damaged. Sigmar says, hold on a second. Why not? This is something that's intangible, true, but it has value. You can sell this thing. So why shouldn't it be encumbered to, to the person who got damaged? Tumar says, El Mishim de Shmuel. Rather, the reason that we don't say that she has to pay anything is because of Shmuel. Because Shmuel says, 
Somebody, let's say, has a document stating, let's say you have Ruvain. Ruvain is owed money by Bob. So this document states Bob owes Ruvain $100. Now, Ruvain wants to take this document, he wants to cash in. So he takes it to Shimon, and he says to him, Shimon, buy this document off me, and you can collect from Bob the $100 that's owed. And so Shimon says, okay. Shimon gives him money, maybe a little bit less. And uh, and so Ruvain sells it. So now, in the meantime, the Chazar Umachloi. So now the per- Ruvain who sold the document, if he wants to, he actually has the ability to go and say to Bob, you know, it's okay, you don't have to pay me. Machal, it works. He can indeed forgive the money. And Shimon, so he took a risk. He took a risk on this document. He's aware of this risk, so obviously he paid less because this guy might go and be Michael. He might forgive the document. And also, in regards to an inheritor, he also has the ability to forgive the money that he's supposed to get. So in our case as well, if we say that the woman is going to go and she's going to sell the ksuva, so after she sells it, theoretically, because why we're doing, we're forcing her to sell it so that she'll pay the person she caused damage to, so she'll go back, maybe in defiance, to the husband and say to him, listen, you don't have to give me the money from the ksuva, and thereby she's going to mess over the guy who bought it from her. So Gemara says, that's why we would say that we don't force her to sell it because it's going to make a whole complicated situation. Amri, so the Gemara says, hold on a second. We say like this, Zvuni Zavin, Vititin Why don't we make her sell it, let her give the money to the person who got damaged, and if she goes and she forgives her husband from paying the money, let it be that way. That's something that the person who buys it has to take into account when he, when he buys it from her. So the Gemara says, Amri, we say like this, We know that in regards to a woman, if she sells this document, she for sure is going to go back to her husband and absolutely positively she's going to forgive him, make him, make him not have to pay. So therefore, nobody in the right mind would ever buy it from her. And therefore, really she has no money because this is something that she can't get any money for because no one's going to give her the money for it. No one's going to buy it. No one's going to take the risk. So therefore, we consider she has no money and therefore she doesn't have to give money to the Nisa, to the person that she damaged. So Gemara says, hold on a second. What's she going to do? She's going to sell something to someone and then she's going to rip off that person and she's going to be Michael and forgive her husband? It doesn't really make sense. How could she possibly think in her right mind that she would do such a thing? The reason that she would do such a thing is because she doesn't feel like she's actually directly taking away money. She's just doing something, she's, she's doing it indirect way. She's causing someone a loss. And therefore, she wouldn't think twice and she would indeed forgive her husband. Now the Gemara offers an interesting possibility. Why don't we say as follows? Why don't we take her ksuva, have her sell it to the guy who she caused damage to. So now, he gives her $100 for the possibility of collecting the ksuva. Now she takes the money, she turns around and gives it back to him, the $100 that she caused damage to him. And now, So, if she chooses to go and be Michael to forgive the husband, so he's not going to end up losing out in the end at all. So, even if we didn't do this trick, so he's not going to get money either. So, at least this way, there's a possibility that she won't be Michael, she won't forgive her husband, and then the guy who she caused damage to will end up getting the money in the end. So, the Gemara says, no, there's no chance. So, if, so if in the end, all, so she's for sure going to forgive the husband. There's no doubt about it. It's not even a, a sliver of a chance that she's going to not be Michael, not forgive him. Therefore, we're not going to make the courts be involved in sales like this for no reason. We don't do that. Sigmar now challenges. This is what we say in the Bryce of that if she went and she smashed her husband, she caused him damage. So she doesn't have to lose the money from her ksuva. Sigmar says, why? Let her sell the ksuva to her husband for the possibility that uh, if he goes first or he divorces her, that he'll get back the money. 
and then that money take it and pay pay her husband. Because if she goes and she forgives the husband, like Abseda, there's not going to be any loss because either way he's going to end up getting the money and he's going to be happy. So the Gemara says, This must be Rabbi Meir, the Amar, who says, That it's forbidden for a person to leave his wife even for a moment without a ksuva. What's the reason why? So that he doesn't divorce her easily. If, if he doesn't have to give her any money, so there's nothing to stop him from divorcing her if he just feels like it. Because he'll just divorce her, get the money back. So, so Rabbi Meir holds it. You can't leave them in a place. You can't have them in a circumstance where it's easy for him to divorce her. What's the problem? Let him divorce her and get the money back from her. She's not really losing out. She's just having to pay what she really owes. So let that be. We're talking about a case where the value that he has to pay her to divorce her is much greater than the amount of money that he's going to get back for the damage that she caused. Because for that small amount of money that he's going to get for the damage, he's not going to waste a tremendous amount of money and divorce her. If the ksuva itself, the value that he promised to give her if he divorces her, is greater than the regular ksuva, a regular ksuva, so it's either going to be two different possible amounts depending on the type of woman that's getting married, if she was previously married before or she wasn't previously married, so it's going to be either 100 zuz or 200 zuz. So let's say the ksuva was written for a greater amount than the regular amount. Let's say it was written for 500 zuz, a tremendous amount of money. So why don't we say like this, nukma let her get the 200 she's supposed to get instead of that 500. The rest of the other 300. So let her sell to him the rights to perhaps be able to collect it if it's supposed to be collected for the amount of money that he's supposed to get for his damages. We don't have to say that the case is talking about a case where indeed the money was a greater amount of money. And we can say that the case is where the amount of damage that she owes to him is, was 4 zuzi. 4 zuz. That just because of the four zoos, this, the small amount of money that he's owed because of the damages, he's not going to waste, he's not going to want to pay her the 25 that he's going to owe her for divorcing her. So now the Gemara challenges the Tanya. This is what we learned in the Brisa Kishim Shalay Timkor Vitachtov. The Gemara, as Rashi explains in the beginning, understands it this way: that just like she can't sell her ksuva when she's married to him, So she's also not going to lose out money if she causes any kind of damage. She's not going to lose out the money and have to pay for that. The Gemara says, "Hold on a second. Based on what we just said, that's not true." There are times where she will have to pay. What's the case? Where the amount she's supposed to be given if she gets divorced is, is greater than the amount than is normally given to a woman. Because what do we do? As we said before, we'll take the part that she's supposed to get in order for them to be considered married still and then we'll give the extra, he'll give that money and he'll get back the money that he's supposed to get for getting damaged. So how can you tell me that she never has to pay for damages? Amar Rabbah, so Rabbah says, Seifa Asan Suvas bin Indichrin. Actually, what we're talking about here is a totally different topic. It has to do with the money that goes to her sons. Because, as Rashi explains, sometimes when a couple gets married, so she'll make a condition in her ksuva, that any money that she's supposed to get because of a ksuva, if she dies and she wants her sons, the sons that she has from this man, she wants that money to go to her son specifically, the money that she should have gotten from the ksuva, as opposed to any other sons that he may have from another wife. So she has the right to make such a condition, and if she does, so the money will go to her kids. And this is how it works out. Just like somebody who sells her ksuva to someone else, 
Yosef see the ksuva has been in Dechrin. So what happens? Her kids will still end up getting the money from the ksuva, even though she sold it. What's the case? So Rashi explains that, just as we said before, that the man and the woman made up, that if they have any kids, they have any male children. So the money from the ksuva is going to go to those kids. So now in the meantime, so she sells the ksuva to someone and says to him, if, if my husband dies or he divorces me, the money is going to go to you. So now, so what happens? She dies first. So now the lekuchos, the people who are supposed to get the money, so they don't get the ksuva, they don't get that money from the ksuva because she died first. They lost out on the on a bet, so to speak. So now what happens? He dies, the husband dies. So there was that original agreement that was made between the husband and the wife that when he dies, the money from the ksuva is going to go to the kids. It still goes to the kids. And despite the fact that she would be alive right now, so and her husband would die, so the money would go to whoever had bought the rights to the ksuva money. But since she's not around, so the money goes to the kids. And if there are sons from a different wife, so they can't turn to these boys and say to them, well, if your mother was around, so then she wouldn't have gotten this money anyway, so why should you get this money? We should all split it. We don't let them say that. Rather, they do get the money. My time was the reason. Zuzi Hudansua, because when she originally sold it, she wasn't doing it out of negligence, but because she, she needed money. That's why she was selling the rights to the ksuva at that original time. So similarly, if she goes and sells it herself to her husband, also now the kids will not lose out that money when the husband dies. My time, huh? What's the reason? Zuzi Hudansua. Again, we can say that the reason that she sold it was not out of negligence, but rather it was because she she had no choice. She needed the money for whatever reason. So it comes out very interesting because these brothers from a different wife, they're not going to be able to say, well, listen, it's our father's money and he didn't have to end up paying it. So why should you guys get it? No, they can't do that. Just like if it would be someone who had bought the rights, the money would go to the kids. So too, if the husband was the one who actually bought the rights to the ksuva money, it still goes to specifically her kids because of that original agreement that was made in the original ksuva between this man and this wife. Let us say that this that we said, that they decreed in Usha, that a woman who tries to sell a piece of property, if she dies first, the husband has the rights to take it back. Let us say that there's actually an argument between different Tanaim. The Tanicha, that we have one Bryce that says like this. Let's say a woman has a slave, and she comes into the marriage with the slave. So now the husband has the rights to the Paris, to whatever produce it makes, but she still owns the Atsim, the, the slave itself. So, so according to the first Bryce, so if she knocks out the tooth or the eye, being that she actually owns the slave itself, so the slave will go out free. But since he doesn't completely own the slave, he only owns the product of the slave, so therefore if he knocks out the eye, it's not going to go out free. It's not considered that he's completely the owner. We have a second price. That neither the man nor the woman are considered that they completely own him, and therefore neither of them, if they knock out the eye or the tooth of the slave, will allow the slave to go out free. So everyone agrees, that the husband, he for sure, any action that he does will not cause the, the slave to go out free because all he has is the rights to the produce and that's not considered that it's the rights to the actual body of the slave. Let us say that this is what their argument is. The one who says that he will go out free if the woman knocks out the eye or the tooth, less like the Kanasushas, because he holds that the fact is that if she goes and sells a piece of land or this slave, so it's not going to go back to the husband because he doesn't have a shibut, it's not considered encumbered to him. So therefore, that's why if she knocks it out, knocks out the eye or the tooth, it's considered that it's her slave and the slave will go out free. Uman Amar the one who says that even if she does it, the slave also won't go out free, is like the Kanas Usha. It's because he holds that it's not completely within her possession anymore, because since the sages decreed that it's going to go back to him if she tries to sell it and she dies first, therefore it's not completely hers, and therefore when she knocks out the eye of the tooth of the slave, so it's not considered that she's knocked out her slave's eye and tooth, and therefore it's not going to go out free. 
So therefore comes out that we have two different Tanoim that seem to be saying, one says that there is a Tekanas Usha, this decree, one says that there's not. So one says, no, it's not true. The Kuli Yama Islo Tekanas Usha. We could really say that everyone agrees that there is such a decree. Elakan Koidim Takana. That price that seems to imply that it is considered her as the slave. Completely. That's talking about before they actually made the decree. And the Brisa that implies that it's not considered hers, that's talking about after they made the decree. And that's why it's not gonna go, the slave is not gonna go out free when she knocks out the tooth of the eye.